The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Darren Fessler joins us with Lakefront Futures. We look at the market, Darren, and a nice day to finish the Friday on an uptick, at least from a grain perspective in the numbers. Yeah, I, you know, as far, far as this week is concerned, um, purely technical perspective here, it, producers should feel a little bit better going into this weekend. Um, we did see some um, supportive action in the SEP and the DS contract. A lot of these contracts, regardless if it's, if it's corn, beans, or wheat, a lot of them are kind of a similar type of technical perspective. But December corn was able to close a couple of days above the nine day moving average. Um, hopefully that negates some of the bearishness that we've seen here recently. Um, and even today that we closed above the 20 day EMA, um, which is really positive because we have not done that since late May. First day we've done that. So really at this juncture, it opens up some of these core markets into some, some higher levels here in the future. And likewise with beans is the beans were able to close a couple days above the five in nine day moving averages. It tried to pull back here um, today and was able to find enough support on the positive strength, I think in the wheat market, that it held that five day. So what we're looking at right now in the November beans is we're looking to move back towards the 20 day exponential, and that's gonna be anywhere from 10 to 14 cents higher from here. As you look at the weather and how crazy cool in some areas it's been and extreme moisture and then dryness in others, how do you kinda calculate and look out at what the future numbers could bring when this crop is harvested yeah i mean with with customers across the country the great thing with lakefront is we get different perspectives on on how guys crops are looking uh, and visiting with them we see with our own eyes um there's really big questions about the minnesota yield uh the minnesota corn yield last year was a 194 there i don't think they have a chance at getting there this year there's just too much problems in that southern part of the state that um they're probably closer to the 185 186 figure Iowa, I think, is the big kicker. Last year, they came in at 202. Um, I'm personally, I think Iowa, even given the consideration that they had some dryness in the southern part of the state, northwest and north central have major drownout issues. I think Iowa is good enough in other parts of the state that they could potentially get back to that 202, if not better. And then the second biggest producer, Illinois, came in at 201 last year. Now, do I think that they can get that same yield? It all is going to depend on how that West Central Illinois performs here on out. It's it's getting very dry. They they need that moisture. Right now, I don't think Illinois gets that 201 figure. But overall, I mean, I think that we're probably looking at a, at a national yield record. But I don't think we're at an overall production like we were last year. We just didn't have the acres this year. And so going forward, you know, these trends that we are seeing higher in the market are unseasonable. So, I mean, seasonally, we should we should see probably a little bit declining the market. But I think overall with the with the way the uncertainties have been with the trade talks and how much we've pulled back here, uh, I think that we might be trying to turn the corner to the positive side for the time being. What about for the soybeans? I mean, they have had some some struggles just like the corn has this year. 
Yeah, yeah, they really have. There's a lot of good-looking beans, um, but there's also a lot of beans that have uh, the same issue they did last year with that cupping, which I know, uh, just from our own standpoint, have, have decreased some of those yields last year. But I think that overall, given the amount of acres that we have and the beans and, and the conditions that we currently have, uh, we're probably looking somewhere in the upper 40s for a yield. I, I'm just questioning whether we're uh, we're pushing that 50 bushel or not. But no matter how you slice the pie here, unless August is a really bad weather-wise, uh, we're looking at a, a substantial larger carryout than we did the previous year. Globally, what are you hearing on, on numbers? With I know that Brazil has had some weather issues. It's been kind of quiet lately as they wrap up this year's crop. Yeah, as far as if you're looking at the Brazils and the Argentinas and, and just trying to think about how how the bean export program will, will go here in that September, October, November, and December time frame, um, I would not be overly shocked if we were to start getting uh, exports from countries on beans that we typically wouldn't see. Um, I wouldn't also be surprised that if Brazil starts importing U.S. beans or Argentina, especially Argentina. I mean, they're coming off a a not-so-good crop year themselves, and Brazil is exporting a tremendous amount of beans themselves, but they need some domestically, and they're going to have to get those supplies somewhere. I think the U.S., uh, whether, whether we export directly to China or not, uh, those beans are going to move. Um, I think the biggest key takeaway from from the beans is that we have to start looking at the Chinese economy. Uh, I mean, they, I mean, they're still going to eat. They're still going to do all of these things that they have done previously. But I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about their economic growth, regardless if we have trade issues or not. If China starts slowing down in a big way, it's going to impact our markets regardless. And I know this has been a conti- and continue will be a frustrating factor when it comes to this trade. Yeah, it, it, it will be. I mean, it, we need some clearer pictures going ahead about where where does where does China uh, what's the, what's their intentions about what, the whole holding off here? I, I personally think they're they're looking to try to politically pressure Trump as much as they can ahead of the election. Um, I just I don't know if it's going to hold. I, the, the, the average American probably doesn't quite consider what's going on here in the trade issues. It's only being felt, I think, really in the in the ag community. Well, stick around, folks. We do have more coming up. We'll take a look at uh, weather and and the conversation I had with some producers yesterday in Washington, D.C. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Darren Fessler joining us with Lakefront Futures. Stick around. We'll also take a look at the livestock side of the trade action. Unfortunately, not some good news out there for the pork producer. Stick around. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Darren Fessler is joining us with Lakefront Futures. We were talking during the break on this market and, and the bullishness that's that's with it. And I, I my, my thoughts go out to these producers trying to figure out, how do I market when I don't know when this could end? I mean, yesterday when we were at Corn Congress, they were saying anywhere from six months to six years. It could take a long time for these countries to work out their disagreements. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully it's not six years. The farmer don't have six years of right. <laughs> <laughs> loans are coming due. They need paid. Uh, but no, I mean, from a, from a producer standpoint, how do you deal with this stuff? I mean, one, 
with the with the amount of producers that I work with, emotion is always the big thing. Um, it's it's my role and job at Lakefront here is to try to take that emotion away. And but just keep in mind, a farmer they wake up every day of the year. They're always long. They're they're long in the field, long in the bin. They're farming next year. They're long, 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 long every day of the week. Um, and that's a good thing when if you get some clear pictures about these trade talks. But the, uh, in a futures market, it's all perception. It's it's whether whether it is a bearish fundamentals versus positive technicals. A rising market's never a, never a concern for a producer. It's just a continued beating that we have seen recently in the grains that. That that's the concern for the producer. It's it's just we need to understand where we need to be from a break-even standpoint, and we we need to understand where we need to be selling cash, putting hedges in. And if you do that and do that consistently, I always equate it to like a baseball analogy. If you can just hit singles and doubles, you're going to win a lot of games. It's going to get you to where you need to be, and it's going to take that emotion away. Looking at uh, the weather, we talked about that a little bit on the first half, but I know that we've got some cooler temperatures prevailing, soybean setting pods, good news there. From a wheat perspective, our producers, I mean, we're talking maybe a slowdown in wheat or in the spring wheat production is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think that overall, if you look at the spring wheat market, uh, we're, we're probably, especially the North Dakotas of the world, are going to be at they're very, very good yields. Um, the, the Minneapolis market in general has been lagging the Chicago and the KC, but we've seen some really good positive things happen there. They actually tried to break out, um, which was encouraging because Chicago wheat has been breaking out here for the last couple of weeks. Now we get the Minneapolis to do that. The KC market starting to do that as well. Um, likewise there, if you start getting the you know, closer to some of these 50-day moving averages, I mean, you know, 20, 25 cents higher from here, one really should consider getting some hedges in place. We're still looking at quite a bit of world wheat, even though we've had some problems in the Russia and Ukraine. Uh, this wheat rally, especially in, in, in that spring wheat country, we're looking at some pretty good stocks-to-use ratios that uh, would scare anybody from a fundamental standpoint. So one should be taking advantage of those of any type of rally in wheat here, especially if you get to those 20, 25 cent plus from here. Taryn, let's go over to the hog side, a market that has just had numerous frustrations and these producers trying to figure out what one day to the next is going to mean in that dollar loss mode. Yeah, uh, hogs uh, have been a very, very difficult trade. Uh, a lot of people say, well, where's the bottom at? Can I reown any of this stuff? And and the, really what I've said is I, I really don't want to sell it down here. If I have hedges on, there's no question you got to remain hedged in these hogs. Do I want to take hedges off? Absolutely not. I don't want to own it. If I'm not in it already, I don't even want to touch it. I think that with the uncertainty still with China and them being such a large producer, even though their hog production has been up 1.4% versus last year, uh, there's still some downside here. I mean, if you look at just from a chart and a technical perspective, it's just it's trying to catch a falling knife here. So I, I don't think producers should try to outguess this hog market. And if you have hedges on, you have to stay hedged. But looking at the, the, the cash and the movement, I mean, with the triple-digit losses, long-term summer effects, what are we looking at? Well, with with there with the hogs, I mean, even, even with what's happened with the cash so far, I mean, it's going to be all be based off what the futures are doing here. 
I mean, you look out out to December, for example. I mean, we're basically we hit hit 45 today, and we're below settle below 46, a new low. Um, it just we can we can stay oversold for a much longer time than what producers can handle financially, and and that that's the biggest key thing going forward with with hogs in general, and and, and likewise with with the perception of the unknowns about a huge producer like a China. Uh, there's still going to be demand for it. It's just we don't know where a bottom is, and I, I don't know where a bottom is personally either. But right now, it's it's not a time to try to I think try to outguess what the trade is, or at least the trend. The trend right now is lower. And I don't foresee that changing right now. All right, Darren. What's the best way for producers to get a hold of you to talk more markets? You bet. They can reach me directly at four zero two three six six zero four two three. You can find me on Twitter at DDF Alpha and on our website at LakefrontFutures.com. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.